Welcome to the St. James Parish Podcast. Enjoy sermons, lectures, and special presentations from St. James Episcopal Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. Curious about what else St. James has to offer? Visit our website, linked in the show notes, to learn more. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been in the wilderness? I was in the wilderness once, literally. Some of you may have heard me share before that during my trip to the Holy Land in the summer of 2019, I traveled with my group west of Jerusalem across the present-day border check of the Palestinian territory, the West Bank, to visit the Judean wilderness, the same wilderness in which King David took refuge in his flight from Saul, and the same wilderness to which Jesus retreated and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. You may think of wilderness in your mind as this kind of unruly, overgrown area or some maybe mysterious forest, but over there, the picture of wilderness is much different. As we drove through this rocky Judean wilderness, we eventually stopped at a common lookout point where we could really stop and experience the landscape in the way that Jesus and countless others have. And it was eye-opening to look out and to see this vast wilderness firsthand. Rocky, jagged, barren, and mountainous desert. And in its own way, beautiful. As we went out into the dry heat of the desert, our guide reminded us that we could easily get dehydrated even faster than we might realize in the moment. So we needed to make sure that we drank water regularly. So I came prepared with a camelback bottle of water, enough to get me through the afternoon, but no more. I ran out. And as I stood in this place with my limited supply of water and saw and felt how dry and barren it is, it made me wonder... How could Jesus have survived in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights? No food to eat, at least not much, certainly not enough water to drink. Sure, I mean, yes, he was God, but he was also human. How could anyone or anything survive here? But what was particularly interesting about this desert peak where we stood is that we could not only look out at the vastness of the desert all the way to the Jordan River Valley in the distance, but far down below us on the other side was another valley, an immediate valley there beside us in which, 
as we looked down, was this ancient Greek Orthodox monastery built into the mountainside. The monastery of Saints John and George of Choseba, to be specific. And indeed, monks actually lived there, off the land, as they have done for generations since the fourth century. To say that it was unexpected is an understatement. Who would expect to find a monastery in the middle of the desert? And how could these monks even survive in the harsh conditions? But the closer you look, the more you understand. As with many valleys, this one flows with a stream of water known as a wadi, a small stream, but steady. And of course, where there is water, there is potential for life. Just enough for a few trees and shrubs to grow along its banks, and just enough to create a system of irrigation to sustain gardens and cultivate food and a source of potable water. It was as surprising and stark a contrast as you could imagine. The vast barrenness of the desert carved out by a small stream that was enough to sustain generations of one community, a community that exists for the sole purpose of worshiping and trusting in God. There is little doubt that Jesus survived by drawing from these same small streams of water throwing through the desert wadis. But like the monks who lived on its bank, these streams weren't the only source of life on which he drew. We hear today, in this beginning of the Gospel of Mark, which opens with Jesus' baptism at the Jordan River, it's that same baptism we heard and celebrated on that first Sunday after the Epiphany back in January. And in these verses is painted a dramatic, cosmic scene. The heavens torn apart, the Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus, and the voice coming from heaven that proclaims, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. You have to take a moment in Mark just to stop and take in the gravity of what is being said. It's the declaration and revelation of Jesus' most essential identity, the beloved Son of God. And then, immediately after his baptism, a stark shift. The Spirit, as it says, drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness, how many days? Forty days. And how many nights? Exactly. Tempted by Satan, living amidst the wild beasts while the angels waited on him. That grand moment of baptism 
followed immediately by wilderness. Why, after baptism, did the Spirit send him there? Why, after baptism, did he have to endure that? Why did baptism not mark the end of wilderness rather than the beginning? Perhaps it was the only way. The only way to get to a life and ministry and ultimately a death and resurrection that would bring the hope of life to all creation. But he had to go through the wilderness to give us the hope that we can do it too. I probably don't need to tell any of you here that the journey of life is a winding road that goes through stretches of wilderness. We all probably know it. Most, if not all of us, have probably lived it, endured it, and maybe seen others close to us who have endured it as well. We are sometimes misled into thinking that the more that we follow God, the more prosperous we will be in this life. That blessing is equated with material goods and possessions and wealth and all these things, and that in the end, the easier our life will become. When the reality is actually harder, but so much better. To follow God doesn't mean avoiding the wilderness of life, as all of our false idols would have us believe. To follow God means overcoming the wilderness. To know that when we are in the wilderness, we are not alone. We have God right with us, God the Spirit in us who knows our pain because God has been there before. Nothing in this life that we could experience, no pain that Jesus doesn't know. And God, who with us, helps us through it so that we can reach the other side. It may not look exactly like the 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus endured in that stark desert of the Judean wilderness, But like Jesus, our wilderness will include temptations. It may even feel like a barren landscape. And in those wilderness moments, when we so naturally want to find an easy way out, we can so easily give in to those quick releases, those empty sustenances, those things that we are tempted to believe will take away our pain, numb our pain, and distract our attention, but are always short-lived and almost always more destructive than good. But as Jesus shows us, there is another way. There is a source of life that will sustain you through the desert that source of life that revealed Jesus' true identity and sustained him 
through the wilderness, a source of life that shows us who we really are, that essential identity that God has made us to be, and that goes with us and sustains us everywhere we go. You just have to know where to find it. You just have to look and see where the life is and draw on that which makes it grow. So not if, but when you are in the wilderness, where will you turn for nourishment? What will you draw on to sustain you? Will it be your phones and your social media, your TV and endless cycles of news, your unhealthy relationships, your substances and behaviors that numb the pain but at great cost? Or will it be those things that truly sustain and give you life, drawing on your loving relationships with friends and family, on your intentional prayerful care for yourself, drawing on your practices of prayer, on your community of faith, feasting on God's word and at God's table. If you hadn't noticed, with the readings today, the change in the color to purple, and the jarring words of the great litany that we prayed to open our service, Today is the first Sunday in Lent. And as we have begun this, how many days? 40 days in season, wilderness season of penitence and fasting in preparation for Holy Week and the joy of Easter that awaits. My hope and my prayer is that you will take full advantage of this season to shed yourself of those unhealthy patterns and idols and draw on those things of God which truly sustain you, that remind you of who you really are and that will give you life. For as Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in this good news. Because with God, we have a source of life that sustains us through any wilderness and brings us to the fullness of life and of joy that God intends for each and every one of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.